0: Point God is a production of iHeartRadio. I would say, first and foremost, welcome to the Point God show. I am your host, Baron Davis the man of many styles, and the man of many voices. In this show, man, we just gonna take a deep dive into the art, the strategy, the science, the mathematics, um, the free thinking, the creativity around what's it mean to be a point guard, a.k.a. a point god, someone with God-given talent who has exceptional and extraordinary skills. One who has built a brand and an original craft inside of a position, right? That has a certain type of structure and and cadence. And so I look at the point God as a painter. I look at the point God as an orchestra conductor. I look at the point guard, right, as a facilitator, right? Um, And the beauty of this show is I get to finally have real conversations with some of my favorite point gods in basketball, not just NBA, in basketball history. In basketball history, we get to unearth stories and legends and rivalries and hear from some of the most incredible playmakers to ever lace them up in this game we call basketball. I'm your host, Baron Davis, and I would consider myself a point guard as well. So let me state my case for why I think that I would be considered a point guard. Ha 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 ha, ha. Um, You know, for me, basketball was art, basketball was an escape, basketball was therapy, and basketball was like a whole nother world. That I can live in. And honestly, it was a dream. Right? Being inside a, a, a never-ending dream. And your only real break from reality was everything outside of basketball. Right? And for me, it was just if I could stay in this dream, if I could stay in this bubble, if I could stay in this way of thinking. And just growing up, it was just basketball is what I always wanted to do. I remember just just thinking of shit, you know, uh, going to the store, everybody buying candy with a 25 cent. I put my 25 cent in and get one of those little shiny ass bouncing balls. And you know how much those balls bounce, right? You know how crazy those little shiny things bounce. <clears throat> and I would try and dribble them. And I literally dribble around the grocery store and the shit would go all the way to the aisle I had to slide and catch it. And then I would start to figure out how to dribble it back home from the grocery store. Then one day I got bored. And my grandmother used to make me fold up uh, grocery bags, plastic bags. And I remember being in the kitchen and I was like, well, shit, I'm just going to tie a bag around my basketball. Because at the time, you know, uh, some of my older homeboys, when we play kickball and shit, you know, the balls get whopped, right? So the balls be whopped. And then like, you know, they had disposed the balls. But I remember my cousin telling me like, Hey, nigga, if you want some handles, nigga, you can you would be able to dribble a wop ball. So I used to always go and find the wop balls. Like the wop kickballs. <clears throat> Mostly it was like kickballs and shit, cause like basketballs was just, you know, real kind of hard to come by. You know what I mean? Like there's only like two or three dudes that had a basketball, and like you gotta protect that shit like you gotta protect a bike. And so when I got my rock, I remember uh I got I got a brand new basketball. This is how it happened. I got a brand new basketball and I was like, man, I'm about to go to the school, but I had this routine where I had to dribble between my legs, you know, the whole way to the school, which was like, you know, maybe 150 dribbles, 150 dribbles, but like boom, 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 boom. I'm talking about you got to walk the dog all the way to the court. And if you don't, you gotta start and go all the way back home. But it wasn't like it was a long walk. But um, I remember getting this new basketball, and I was like, damn, dog. Like, I don't want to dribble this motherfucker time till, <laughs> till I get to the court, right? So I was just overthinking one day, and I just got a plastic bag, put the ball in the bag, tied it up. And I just started dribbling, and I was like, oh, this is dope. So I was, like, dribbling the plastic bag, and the ball went really bouncing. It was, like, falling dead. On like the air pockets, but you know, like I like for some reason I liked it because it was a challenge and the creativity alone I think is what kind of molded and crafted you know my handle. Now my handle go back to the fundamental skills. My first coach Bobby Watson laying down the foundation, and he used to tell me when I was a kid, if you dribble the ball hard enough. You should be able to have control because you should hear. You could hear it. And I remember playing at the Inglewood YMCA and Paul Pierce, this is how I met Paul Pierce, came up to me. He was like, yo, man, that was a good game, man. What's your name? He was like, damn, Doug, why you throw the ball so fucking hard? Everybody in the gym can hear it. And I was like, damn, dude, like, you know, like I did it right. You know what I mean? But I used to be like, boom, boom. Like I used to just pound the ball to command the ball. And, you know, back in the day, you go to high school, you see the Jock Vons, you see, you know, all the young, you know, great point guards uh, in L.A. kind of coming up. Uh, and then the older guys, the Casper where is the Dang Suttles, you know, everybody everybody bounced the ball hard, you know, to, because that helped them get into their shot. And L.A. was all shooters. You know, a lot of the guards was just cold scorers. And so for me, that was kind of like what crafted like my handle fundamentals, creativity, and then the plastic bag right over top of the ball, the little uh machine gumball ball, uh you know, a tennis ball, um and then the wop kickball. And like that was like that those were all of my tools, right? And in my in my dribbling, you know, uh, with, with my whole dribbling uh routine. And I think for me it was really about that moment that I wanted to take something that I can own and, like, I just could keep living in that space, right? So if I, like, were to state my claim about being a point guard, it's just like me, you know, my whole job was to paint, right? And because I was always the smallest guy on the team, I always had to have the biggest voice. I always had to be the smartest. I always had to see, um, you know, four or five minutes ahead of the game because I was the tiniest dude on the court. You know what I mean? And so as I got bigger and, you know, taller in high school and, you know, once I got to a place where people were like, yo, that, like, you ain't got nothing in your shoes. I was like, no, nah, I'm really five tens It was over because I had the athletics athleticism, right? And I already had some point guard skills, but then my body was filling out. And then I think what, what had happened was I got excited about being a, a big dude, right? Cause I was so little for so long that all I ever wanted to be was like a big dude. You know what I mean? Because, like that was the only thing stopping me from going in there and going into the hole. And I think when I played in the league, you know, that was that's that's kind of like what I play with, like that big guard mentality, right? And people always felt like, oh man, like this, you know, this dude is bigger than everybody. but I'm you know I'm only six right? But it, it it was just the idea of man, I gotta go develop me a a, a post game like a Olajuwon. Like Jamal Mashburn. Um, I got to get the Nick Van Exel bop. You know what I mean? I got to get the magic passes. So every time I saw something, every time I saw a point guard, I was, ah, let me get that. Let me absorb some of that, right? I'm taking notes. You You know, you grow up privileged with Magic Johnson. You know, you grow up privileged after Magic Johnson come Nick Van Exel. Right. So when you think about Showtime and then you think about the bop, right? Nick Van Exel was the one who had all the bop and had all the wiggle. And I I always say this to to this day. L.A. appreciate Nick Van Exel. But L.A. really, if you wasn't in that time and then see Nick Van Exel get down, L.A. didn't really appreciate Nick Van Exel because he. He was an amazing. He was just an amazing talent, entertainer, point guard, leader, right? And he was young, and like you know, he was young, and you know, it was just like he was active, right? And I and I took that with me too, you know. And then I met Kenny Anderson and Penny Hardaway, and always patterned my game after Tim Hardaway, Uh, you know, all the little guys, Isaiah. And I think for me, it was just like. What can I steal to pay homage, you know, to the dudes who came before me, right? And then when I got in the league, it was just, now I'm here. I'm scared as shit, right? Because there they are, but I can't let them know that I was scared of them. So I got in fear. I got to just go at them nonstop, 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 nonstop. And I think that's where I earn my stripes, I'm not afraid to guard you. You know what I mean? You can't guard me. uh, But I'm up for the challenge, right? And, you know, I think that's where, you know, as a point guard, you you, you, you earn your respect, right, from your peers because they know when you show up and they show up like you got a battle. And then I just, I think I got... My style and my flavor from just my creativity, my ability to just, I guess, like absorb, absorb, create, innovate, you know what I mean? Iterate, remix. Right. And, you know, I used to, you know, every summer is just like, yo, I got to I got to I got to have five moves and two counters. Right. And I go work out with everybody around the country. I go play and, you know, Four four games in a day in the summer league. It was just, you know, no stop to, like, what I needed to do or what I wanted to do to really, like, hone in. And I think that's, you know, for me, what defines me as a point guard is, you know, my God-given ability is the ability to see things, to be an incredible passer, an incredibly underrated passer I would say um and then also to be able to create a style that you know I feel I uh is all my own and you know uh that is original yo 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 we gotta tap in real quick let's hear a quick word from our sponsors My road to pro, I was playing at UCLA in the men's gym, and I believe uh, it was the day that Magic Johnson came up to me, and it was like maybe the third or fourth time they had let me play. i have been up there for a year, and they didn't, but um, Magic Johnson came up to me, and he was like, you know, I've been hearing a lot about you. I was like, for real? (laughs) He was like, man, I've been hearing a lot about you. You know, uh, you know, we up here at UCLA, the pros. This is a school. Coach wanted me to, you know, just just say what's up to you. But you know, you from here, and 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 look, I'm expecting a lot out of you. You know what I mean? I'm expecting you. Know, I'm expecting big things. And from that moment, I think it was just like I'm sitting there every day, and nobody noticing me, and when magic came. And when Magic said that, it's like, man, that's that's Magic Johnson, dog. You understand? Do you understand, kid? You feel me? Dog, do you understand? Kid? Who just spoke to you? And told you you got a chance? Oh, buddy. I ain't sleep. I ain't sleep. I thought about live the game, breathe the game, slept the game, went up to UCLA every day, whether I played or not. And, you know, it was, uh, and then after that was Nick Van Exel in between games. He was like, yo, you want to play one-on-one. So we was just playing like some one-on-one like fades. And, uh, and he was going, waiting to go to the next court. So, I was up on him 3-2, so I always say I beat Nick Van Exel, but, you know, he wasn't really playing around. He was just playing around. But I remember when I hit the shot and he had to go to the winning court, he looked back like, damn, who was that kid? You know what I mean? And at that point, I was just like, man, I got a shot. I got a hell of a shot. Like, I'm up here with the pros. Like, I'm not doing nothing, but I'm not not doing nothing, right? I'm out here. I'm holding my own. You know, I'm learning how to play basketball at a high level. um, And, you know, they was running sets, so it it wasn't like, you know, I could get loose for a breakaway or or anything like that. I was just happy to be on the court. But I knew at that moment that when I went back and played against the the high school dudes, I was just dunking on them and having my way. I knew I was going to the league when I was in high school. You know, my junior year in high school, once I kind of hit that growth spurt and started dunking, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm going. Like, there is nothing stopping me. Uh, you know, I had opportunity to go uh, to the league out of high school. You know, I thought about it. I thought it could, could be a good opportunity, but I always wanted, you know, to go to college um, and then UCLA just because of what it is, who it is, and what it means to me in this city and what I felt it would mean to me in this city is why I went to UCLA. And, um, you know, going into UCLA, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody kind of knew I wouldn't be there too long. Uh, I don't even think people thought that I would stay uh, after my freshman year, but unfortunately I hurt my knee, so I had to come back my sophomore year. And I remember my sophomore year, like, a lot of people had wrote me off and said that – You know, when an injury back then, like an ACL, was kind of like career-threatening because it wasn't like a lot of longevity, right, in an ACL tear for, you know, anybody, Uh, especially guards. Tim Hardaway had just torn his, Danny Manning, and O'Bannon, and so it was like, man, you lose a lot. And for me, I'll never forget, shout-out to Coach Spencer. He was like, man, you're not going to be shit. You know, you're just going to be a big-ass waste of talent, you know, uh, and you're going to piss it off if you don't work. And he was like, at least you can do is work and give yourself a shot and don't give up, you know, you made this far. And that's when I got to working. I got back to working. I got back to – I couldn't even swim, dog, and I was fucking swimming. (laughs) I was like, Coach, I need some fucking floaties, dog. I can't (laughs) – I can't do this shit, dog. I need some fucking floaties. I need, I have the board every time I be swimming. Who at the UCLA Olympic pool, you know, they got the lines and shit. And so, coach be like, all right, tread water. So, we be treading water, but I be holding on with my hand so I wouldn't drown. <laughs> and I be holding on to the little side and shit where you hold on to the rails like a kid. You move your fucking hand like, come on, coach, man. You gonna have me drown. He's like, you ain't going to drown, though. If you drown, i save you. <laughs> I was like, fuck that. <laughs> and then we have to do the laps right at the end of the swim shit. And then, you know, somebody like a Ray Young, he's just flying goddamn down the uh, Olympic pool and shit. And. Like, I ain't I'm tired as hell. And I went about halfway. <laughs> and Coach was like, man, just go halfway. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> but I think it was that, you know, it was that moment, too, when I got back on the court my very first game, UCLA. Uh, when I got back on the court, you know, I knew, like, man, this is, this is, if I can, if I can get just back just to be a shell of myself, i out of here. That's what it was. I wanted to win a na- national championship, but I just didn't think, like, you know, with my injury and all that. I wanted to come back my, my junior year and, like, really make a push. But, you know, then again, like, you young, you're in college, you ain't really got, you know, the, great, the, the best and greatest advisors around you, right? Uh, and at the same time, I didn't want to go, you know, go back to school and get hurt and, like, fuck around and be depressed and broke and you know fighting you know what I mean fighting to like prove myself so you know with that came me leaving it and going to the league but you know in high school I pretty much knew like that I, I, I'm on my way I'm there yo you know what time it is you know this show wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for our sponsors let them have it As far as hoop mentors, I say Lester Connor, Derek Martin, Gerald Mackins, uh David Wesley, Penny Hardaway. Um Magic. People like that. Those are my basketball, like, point guard, mentors, Dane Suttle, Casper Ware. uh, Who else was there? Cameron Dollar. A lot of dudes that, you know, just kind of, like, just took me under their wing. Right? Brevin Knight, uh, you know, just connected with me and just, like, really believed in me and saw something in me. So, you know, I always say, like, as far as the basketball mentors from point guards uh, was concerned, you know, but then you look at all the other people, Tracy Murray, Chris Mills, um, you know, people like that who played an influential role in my life, right? Um, You know, just, just super blessed to be able to have the right mentors, the right guys, you know. And then when I played in the league one year, I got a, uh, I got I got to work with Nate Archibald. I got to work with Cindy Moncrief. You know what I mean? Like, I got to work with guys who, you know, I heard about and, and seen highlights and, you know, had their basketball cards, you know, and it was just like anything they tell me I'm about to do because they used to get down. You know what I mean? They used to really, really get down. So, you know, just overall thankful for my mentors in the mentor session and, you know, just shout out to all the uh, basketball mentors that, you know, got me here. If it wasn't point guard, what other position would you have loved to play? If it wasn't point guard, what other position would I have loved to play? You know what? To be quite honest, I'd love to be uh, a power forward. Like I wish I was six, ten with muscles and all that. You know, I like the way I would jump, oh man, that would be crazy. I I love to be a power forward. All I want to do is post up anyway and play bully ball. So I'm with all I'm with all the shits. <laughs> I would say the point guard that I would have switched. Uh, I always say Tony Parker, Steve Nash, Chris Paul. Those are my three. One, Chris Paul, because basically every time I got traded, they always went and signed the guys that I kind of felt like I needed around me, and they put around Chris Paul. So that was one. Uh, two, Chris. Steve Nash, he just always had a whip, and I think D'Antoni' offense was, you know, really geared and suited towards a player like me and like my style of play. And then um, the third one was Tony Parker because I just lo- I would just have loved to play with a big dude like Tim Duncan, right? And then play in a system where you have the freedom to be aggressive, you know what I mean, but you also have a consistency to that freedom. Right? And I was just always in admiration of San Antonio and just, you know, the crew and the way Tony Parker played and the freedom that he had to play uh in that space. If I were to if I were to pick any other position to play, Uh, I mean, this shit is going to probably change every episode, but I feel like if I was a, a, a four, I would be like Sean Kemp. If I was the three, I would be like LeBron James. If I was a five, I'd be like Hakeem Olajuwon. If I didn't make the league, I remember I was going to go to school to be a sports agent and a lawyer. So I'd probably be lawyering or debating in court or something like that or managing or something like that. Uh, but definitely something in the entertainment business. If I, yeah, if I were to pick three artists that would describe the way I played, I would say Picasso, you know, uh, When it came to painting, passing, dribbling, just like trying to make beautiful art or more. So I would say more so like a Basquiat because it was, you know, people, people used to always like would not try to give me credit for being a fucking point guard. Right. And be like, oh, he's a big guard. Like, fucking, I'm 6'2. They'd be like, oh, you just dunks. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, oh, really just jacks three. It's just like, man, I have to. You know what I mean? Uh, I would say, yeah, if I, uh, the three artists to pick with for me would probably be, let's say, um, Basquiat, Jada Kiss, because I'm grimy, but I can do a song with Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? So you can, I, you can get finesse, but I'm a finesse you. And, 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 and a thug, like, you know what I mean? You're going to get thug, you're going to get, it's going to be a, th- a thug way of doing it. And so like, I always compare my game to Jadakiss in the sense that it was just like raspy, thuggish, but at the same time, like super fly, you know what I mean? Where like, the females enjoy, it, you know what I mean, um, and then the third artist um, I'm trying to diversify my art I would say the third artist would be uh, hmm E40. E-40 mixed with a little E-40 because it's original I'm independent I got my own swag, my own bop I created my own moves, my own lingo's. You know what I mean? And you know, timeless. <laughs> then my game gonna stay timeless. Uh, some of my favorite players to guard was shit. Anybody who, you know, if it wasn't a pick, you know, uh, I hated fighting over picks. So any guards that run ran a lot of pick and rolls, like I just hated that. Steve Nash did that. Chris Paul, a lot of them dudes. But you know, honestly, I like guarding Kobe. I like guarding Wade. I like guarding LeBron. I like guarding, you know, like the best dudes out there. And usually it was like the twos or the threes. And that Vince Carter, Ray Allen. Like, I was always up for that challenge. Uh, You know, uh, Sam Cassell was a hell of a guard. He was a tough guard. But I like guarding the chance to use the AI. You know, for me, it didn't matter, right? Uh, It was more so step up to the challenge because, let's say, if I can't guard you, then I'm coming at you and you can't guard me. It was just, uh, I always thought that ultimately if, you know, if I can take on this challenge and make it a mono a mono thing that I could ultimately wear them down, you know? Point God, presented by Slick on iHeartRadio. Peace. Point God is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.